Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. I am Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thank you so much for including me in your day today. I um, I figure that by my count, I have about five hours of material to cover with you in the next two hours. So listen fast. That is going to be my uh, my hopeful encouragement this morning. No, I just, you know, some days are, uh, there's just a lot to talk about. So let's lead off um, with the verse of the day. This is today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. You can sign up to receive it in your inbox at MyFaithRadio.com. Deuteronomy 31.6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That is a great comfort to know that God has um, prepared and advanced the good works for each and every one of us to do today. Um, Our opportunity and responsibility is to recognize those spaces and places where God has prepared uh, divine appointments in advance, recognizing that he has already fully equipped us to um, represent his character and walk in his ways in the midst of all of those circumstances. So there's no reason for us to be afraid and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can be strong and courageous. So uh, for those of you who want more on that verse, um, Ken Harrison is going to join me at 7.35 Central Time, 8.35 Eastern. He's the CEO of Promise Keepers, and his new book, Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, um, is essentially an unpacking of today's verse of the day. Headlines um, screaming today. Uh, I'm going to lift up three. You probably have 10 others that you might lift up, but I'm going to lift up these three today. President Biden has tested positive for COVID. He has mild symptoms. Um, Let's be praying for him, his health, his full recovery, recognizing that he does have underlying conditions that are aggravated by COVID or that aggravate COVID. Um, asthma, a heart condition. He's also 79 years old. All of those um, do not work in his favor. And so let's be praying for the favor of God upon his health. Um, I also um, just want to say when, you know, when I experienced COVID, I sure was grateful that um, my colleagues and the listening public sort of gave me a break and some rest and some time off. Um, And so I'm not one of those people who thinks that that the president should be working full time while he has COVID. Like, get some rest, dude. Um, take a break. It's okay. Um, rest is our theme for the month here at My Faith Radio. And so I'm encouraging you to get some rest this month, to rest in the Lord. Um, and um, I love what Susie Larson's been talking about uh, on this topic in terms of all of the different kinds of fatigue and exhaustion we experience and therefore the different kinds of rest we need. And so I've been reflecting upon that in my own life. Um, also, also uh, thinking back on um, what uh, John Mark Comer has said about the ruthlessly seeking to eliminate um, hurry from our lives. And that's a 
conversation about rest as well. Um, all right. Uh, I would say that the bottom line of the January 6th Select Committee series of hearings that um, concluded last night, f- final public hearing of the summer last night, televised, um, I would say here's the bottom line. Sins of, uh, sins of omission are still sins. That's, that's, that would be the way I would, that would be my takeaway, my walk away from um, their evaluation of President Trump's deliberate failure to act to quell or to end the Capitol riot on January 6th. Uh, That's the bottom line. Sins of omission are still sins. The failure to act, the failure to do all the good you might have done is what they're pointing at. So I will say this, the truth absolutely matters and leadership matters, particularly in the midst of a crisis. And so while I do not personally appreciate um, the political theater of the January Six select committee. I um, also do not appreciate um, a failure of a leader to act to do all the good that they might do in the middle of uh, in the middle of a chaotic circumstance. And so, um, <clears throat> I see uh, challenges on all sides, and um, and I and I recognize the need for you know us to get to the truth as a people so that we can move forward uh, in truth. One really good news headline this morning before we jump into our conversation with Steve West on some religious liberty headlines. Um, Here's a really good news headline. We have been talking about the food crisis, the food scarcity crisis, and how that is being aggravated by um, the inability of Ukraine to actually distribute its grain to a hungry world. Well, today, the UN UN Secretary General and the President of Turkey are going to oversee the signing of a key agreement that will allow Ukrainian grain to be shipped from the Black Sea to world markets. This agreement also allows Russia to export grain and fertilizers. And so although this will end the threat to um, the world food uh, security challenge that we're facing globally, I think it also compromises efforts to punish Russia through economic sanctions for its invasion of Ukraine. So, you know, as all headlines, um, you know, sort of have the, the front facing side and, and normally an underside as well, uh, so too does this one. <clears throat> all right. Steve West is going to join us next for the Liberties Roundup. And I'm going to cough for a minute. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. We like to catch up with Steve West, who is the editor of the Liberties Roundup at World Magazine. You can sign up for the Liberties Roundup at World News Group, WNG.org. Steve, welcome back. Thank you, Carmen. It's a pleasure to be back with you. All right. So uh, you were on the um, uh, the World and Everything in It podcast and 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 there you shared this hundred year perspective, and I recognize this is not uh, a necessarily religious liberty headline, but um, I thought that what you talked about was really helpful. So take um, take a couple of minutes to unpack the thousand year perspective. 
Well, you know, I don't always write on legal issues or even speak on legal issues. And the one that I was talking about here was just our perspective on time. And I was thinking about, you know, Methuselah and Adam and some of those um, some of those early uh, characters in the Bible and how long they lived. And if you lived a thousand years or close to a thousand years, what would your perspective on time be? And I, I thought that, you know, it would probably be a little bit closer to that which you might have in heaven uh, when you live forever. Uh, and I just talked about there the difference between chronos time, which is, you know, where we get our word chronology from. It's just a sense of, you know, one moment after another, you know, the clock ticking. And then kairos time, which is uh, more the idea of quality time, more the sense that, oh, this moment, uh, there's there's just a moment in time that will, seems to never end. And I pointed to a, a time that I had with my family, and we've probably all had with families or some situation where we're in a moment and it's just perfect. You know, everyone is getting along, everyone is happy, uh, and, and we, we feel like this moment could go on forever and this must be a little touch of heaven. And then something happens that breaks the spell and brings us back to Kronos time. You know, somebody says something or somebody speaks a little bit harshly to someone else, uh, like it did in my family. And we realize, hey, you know, we're still sinners and time is still ticking by and we go back to time like that. And so that's really what I was pointing out in that commentary. And it's a great comfort just to know that you know, we're going to have a moment or moments like that in heaven that will go on and on and on. But we'll experience time in some way as just a blessed thing. We, we don't know exactly how we'll experience time in heaven. But we do know that what we will experience is a deep sense of joy. So that 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 was really the essence of that commentary. The the reality that we are going to one day live in Kairos time with no limitation of Kronos time is pretty uh, pretty hard to imagine. Like right, it's, it's pretty hard to imagine. But it's, it's also the perspective of God on time. It's just a, such a it's a great conversation and it's a super stimulating conversation to have with young people. Well, it is. And it just I think we get these glimpses of what heaven will look like in this world. And Cairo's time is just a glimpse of what that will look like. Yeah, the um, these images that we're now receiving from um, this web telescope, you know, reaching so far out into space to show us things that, you know, the human eye has never been able to see before. And just considering the uh, the the time that it takes for light to pass from those places to the place where we are, and to consider that God is sovereign over all of it and placed each one of them, um, knows each one by name. I mean, I just, yeah, the scope and the magnitude of it, I really, really appreciate um, the, the conversation about space and time. So, um, you guys should check out the World and Everything in It podcast featuring this week uh, our regular guest, Steve West. Um, we normally talk with him about religious liberty headlines, so we'll get to those next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We need to be We are talking with Steve West. He's the editor of the Liberties Roundup at World News Group, World Magazine. You can find them at WNG.org. Um, all right, uh, Steve, read us in and explain to us what's going on with the vaccine mandate, which you say is on hold for um, religious members of the U.S. military. Well, I think we're all aware that there's been a lot of litigation surrounding you know, vaccine mandates, and the military has had in place since last year sometime last year, all of the branches of the military, a requirement that servicemen and servicewomen get vac- vaccinated. Uh, and they allow for religious exemptions, but uh, they have been very, very stingy about allowing, uh, actually granting uh, a religious exemption. So here, a federal court in Ohio recently put on hold, uh, the whole uh, Air Force-wide hold on vaccine mandate for airmen claiming religious exemptions to the COVID-19 shot mandate that's been in effect since September of last year. And he just said, he just looked at the statistics for the number of, um, of religious exemptions that had been filed, which were 9,000, and only 109 of them had been granted by either initial determination or appeal, which indicates that the Air Force is really, really not in favor of these religious exemptions and not really uh, granting them to much of anyone. Uh, for that matter, and it puts the uh, it puts the service members in a difficult spot because if they don't get the vaccine, don't get the religious exemption, then they're in a spot between you know violating their faith or separating from the military, uh, being disciplined in some way, or having to resign, losing their benefits, uh, that type of thing. And you know, as a fact of the matter, you know many of them before the uh, vaccines were approved, served alongside each other, side by side in the military uh, and without incident. You know, there have been, still will be people who get COVID in the military, even though they're vaccinated. Uh, And so that's not really impacted by this. So in a difficult situation, uh, it's a temporary ruling, uh, but it's one that I'm certain will get it resolved in some way by the courts eventually. All right, Steve, let's pivot to um, another conversation. And this one is about a Seattle professor. And I want to tee it up this way. If you were to do a title search, a legal title search on the land where um, I live in Middle Tennessee, um, it would only reach back so far. It would only include um, certain uh, certain acknowledgments. Talk with me about land acknowledgments that are now uh, part of the expectation of professors when they talk about um, who lived where when. Well, you're exactly right about t- about title. You know, title searches, when attorneys do title searches, when you're buying property, they only are required to go back a certain uh, length of time in order to make sure title's clear. And here are these land acknowledgement statements, which I suspect most of our listeners have not heard of, uh, are these requirements by universities and colleges that um, that professors place in their syllabus, perhaps place with their email signature, uh, an acknowledgement that these lands basically, that the universities own, 
belonged to Native Americans or what they might say indigenous people who used to occupy the land. So basically they're saying we stole the land. We are now occupying land that actually belongs to someone else. And those are the kinds of things that uh, some professors disagree with. And there's a professor there at the University of Washington, Stuart Regis, who, who disagreed. He he felt like the person who owns the land is the one who actually improved the land, who actually did something for the land. And, you know, the Native American tribes were mostly hunter and gathering tribes and moved about the lands. And there were competing claims to the lands by the Native Americans. That's a complex subject that we don't need to get into. The point of this particular case was that the university sought to silence this professor for placing in his syllabus a statement of what he believed about these uh, about the land and who occupied the land and who actually owned the land. The university didn't agree with that. They had their own statement, and so they've opened an investigation on him. He filed a lawsuit claiming a First Amendment violation because one of the things we know about the First Amendment is that you should not be compelled to speak a certain message that you disagree with, that you find offensive to you. And uh, that's what he's arguing about in this case. All right. And then um, there's an adoption case that we want to make people um, aware of. I actually think this is an update. I think that we have talked um, at least in part about this before, um, but we've now um, we, we now have uh, some action on it um, well, this is actually not an adoption case, but the adopting of a don't t- tell parents policy, which I do think we've talked um, briefly about before in terms of parents' rights. We have, in fact, and this, this case actually concerns me more than any of the others that I've written about lately, and I'll probably be writing about this again. But it's a uh, this particular lawsuit involves a policy by the Madison, Wisconsin School District to not tell parents when their children want to, you know, social transition at school to another gender. In other words, the child is experiencing gender dysphobia, dysphoria in some way. They, they want to be addressed by a different name at school. They want to be treated as a different gender. And this policy actually says that um, the schools cannot disclose this to the parents. And the schools actually have to use the preferred pronouns names and pronouns, regardless of whether parents have given permission about this at all and can't disclose this to them. And so the court here uh, is really just a procedural ruling, but uh, so they don't really get to the substance of it. But in a, in a five to four ruling, the justices affirmed a lower court ruling that required the parents who were suing under pseudonyms um, to disclose their names to the court and to the law firms representing the school district. See, the, the parents here were concerned that they might be harassed by others if they uh, if their names were known, their children might be harassed, and so they wanted to proceed under pseudonyms. And to some extent, they're going to be able to do so. But kind of the important thing here is that the four judges that dissented in the case joined in one opinion that really, really uh, emphasized the, the, the parents' rights uh, in this matter. As, as rooted in the not only the Wisconsin Constitution, but the U.S. Constitution, long recognized that, that parents have the right uh, over their the, the prerogative about their uh, children's education and about their health care decisions. And the, the court said that this uh, particular thought of social transitioning of a child to another gender is a health care decision, uh, a form of psychotherapy. And so they said this decision belongs to the parents and parents should not be cut out of this. So it bodes well for the future in the sense that as this case goes forward, 
if it makes its way back to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, all that has to happen is that one of these other judges that did not commit uh, to this uh, parental rights policy, all they need to do is be swayed, sway one more judge, and the case will be won. And I think that's the right result in the case, uh, that these parents, the parents' rights be championed in the case. So one thing stood out to me, Steve, as I was reading um, your piece on this at World News, um, which you guys can find at WNG.org. It's also in the show notes today, which you can get uh, when you visit MyFaithRadio.com and grab the podcast from today's program. All the links to all the articles that we talk about are included in there for your ease in in accessing the original information yourselves. Um the parents are seeking to be known or they're they're suing uh, under these pseudonyms or using pseudonyms. And that was not lost on me that they are seeking to be known by names other than their given names, other than their legal name. And um, I'm not sure if everyone sees the um, the the wisdom in that, the curiosity in that um, these are people who are seeking to be um seeking to do something, uh, in this case, you know, bring a lawsuit in names that are not their own, in, in not their legal names. And the whole conversation is about whether or not kids can be known by names that are not their own and referred to by pronouns that are not aligned um, with, you know, legally who they are, um, biologically who they are um, in, in a public school. It's, it's, a, it's a curious um, uh fact of this particular matter that these parents are seeking to be known by pseudonyms in these lawsuits. I just didn't want people to miss that um, particular part of this conversation. This is a, it's an interesting days in which we live. It, it truly is. And interesting that you would be filing a lawsuit and, and so worried about a substantial risk of threat or harassment uh, by, by others who disagree with you. I mean, uh, that's not been common in history. It has happened, of course, but not been common. Uh, we trust that you're going to keep following uh, this particular story and others. You guys can follow Steve and what he is um, reflecting on at the Liberties Roundup at World Magazine. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, I read really widely, and um, and sometimes I come across things that are it's just like straight out of. Um, it, it, they should be featured in like the religious news everywhere. Instead, they just show up in places like the Associated Press. So here you go uh, from the Associated Press. There's an elevator project in Old Jerusalem that has led to. Now this is the this <laughs> this is what I find curious. <laughs> Surprising finds. Okay. I'm just curious if you started digging an elevator shaft in Jerusalem, um, what do you think you would find? Uh, uh, Yeah. So um, it says here that installing an elevator doesn't normally involve a 2,000-year plunge into a city's history. But in Jerusalem, even even seemingly simple construction projects can lead to archaeological endeavors. Okay, if you've ever been to Jerusalem or if you even sat and thought for 20 seconds about digging an elevator shaft anywhere in Jerusalem, like it shouldn't take you very long 
to reach the point where, oh, yeah, you're going to be digging up a lot of history. You're going to be digging through layers and layers and layers of human history. Um, there is going to be archaeology uh, and interesting things uh, it, it, uncovered in every layer. So that's what's going on. Um, this particular excavation is taking place in the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem's um, historic old city. Obviously, there are um, lots of uh, of layers of human history there, biblical history there. And so uh, I just thought that it was interesting and an opportunity for us to uh, to talk about the things that we know about Jerusalem and its history and its heritage. And so if you want a, a headline that appears in the Associated Press today, um, you know, on the topic of Jerusalem, here's a good one. Elevator project in Old Jerusalem leads to surprising finds. Again, that and every other story link that we talk about today are included in the show notes, which are posted as a part of the posting of the podcast for the show every single day at MyFaithRadio.com. Next up, we've got Chris Martin. Um, he and I normally talk about social media and social internet news, and we're going to do that, but we're actually going to start with a conversation about the cosmos. Um, we're going to start with these incredible, um, incredible pictures that we are receiving from the Webb Space Telescope that NASA is posting and that people are awestruck by, and we're going to talk about God. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We're going to talk now with Chris Martin. You know him from his Terms of Service newsletter. You also know him as a content marketing editor at Moody Publishers, author um, of Terms of Service, uh, the book as well. Um, he's a social media expert. He is also a really big little kid. And we're going to talk today about looking up at the sky and seeing the stars. So, Chris, first of all, welcome. And then... Um, and then take us into not only your early education, but where um, where God has taken you through these incredible images of the James Webb uh, Telescope. Yeah, sure. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, last week, uh, I think it was, gosh, was it early last week that the we saw the first images of James Webb or, or a week and a half ago or so? We started to see the first images from the James Webb Space Telescope. And I, like many of us, I think, who maybe saw them on social media or on the news, was just captivated by what I was seeing. Um, but I, it really, my love for space, uh, I, you know, I'm not a space expert. Anybody who's heard me on the show before knows that. Like, that's not why, that's not why I join you uh, and, and get on here. But I don't think you have to be a space expert to appreciate what's going on here and what we're seeing in these images. Um, so I, I wrote, I wrote this article for the Gospel Coalition just as a, a totally normal, non-expert space fan. Uh, but my my space fandom, I guess you could say, starts really early. I w had the opportunity to go, at least for my kindergarten year, to a science magnet school when I was a kid. Uh, my parents wanted to put me in all day kindergarten, and the elementary school I think that was just down the street from my house was was full, and I couldn't the the one that I could virtually walk to I couldn't get in when I was a kindergartner. 
and it had the added benefit of having all day kindergarten. So I went to this science magnet school that this is another story for another time, but I had to take two buses to get to. Like I transferred buses at another elementary school as a kindergartner with the help of some teachers along the way. But anyway, that's a kind of a funny story. But this elementary school had a inflatable planetarium that they would set up in a science classroom because given its science magnet status, we had a special science class, not just in your typical kindergarten class, but we would go to a special classroom and have science class. And so the science teacher there would set up an inflatable planetarium from time to time. And I remember even then just being amazed at what was okay, surely just one a, of those. I mean, yeah, I, right. Right. Who I, look, I looked on Google the other day. I looked on Google the other day. You can buy them. They're like a few thousand dollars or something. But <laughs> I, I get I'm guessing they're just like a really fancy projection system within a giant inflatable igloo. I mean, that's what it looks like. <laughs> Um, and so anyway, we, I, I remember being amazed when I was a kid, like, wait, you mean all of this is in the sky? Like, I can't, I can't believe that all of this is just up in the sky. That's crazy. And then, you know, I, I saw star Wars on the VHS tapes in the nineties when I was a kid and, and fell in love with the idea that, wait, you like, I knew star Wars wasn't real, but I remember looking and being like, wow, like imagine if in all those stars in the sky, something like this really is going on out there. Like there is this giant, you know, space fantasy opera going on in the galaxies far, far away. Um, and then I saw Carl Sagan's pale blue dot video, which Carl Sagan, clearly an atheist and not a Christian identified, I think on the, on the Voyager images, um, through a beam of light, this pale blue dot. And he says various things like everything you've ever cared about, every war that's ever been fought, every romantic relationship that's ever been had is on that pale blue dot in that beam of light. Uh, far away in our like far away from this image in our galaxy, and it, I remember seeing that video when I was in like high school and thinking, "Wow, that's that's really amazing to think about everything we've ever cared about is just on this speck of light uh, that's just a, a moat of dust in in the grander scheme of things." And then I had an amazing high school astronomy teacher. Like I I took all my required science classes my freshman through junior year in high school, and then. I needed like one more science credit my senior year and I was not interested in physics. So I took uh, earth and space science and my earth and space science teacher, James Rousseau, who was just a beloved teacher at our school, but I had never, I'd never had him before. And so I took his earth and space science class. And I mean, he is to, I mean, he's one of the best teachers I ever had, but he also, I was at a very large public high school in Indiana, but he was a believer and, and I think helped lead this, the youth ministry at his church that was just across the street from our high school. And he, not only helped me see the amazing wonders of the universe in that astronomy class, but also, you know, after school and in conversations and passing, he knew I was a believer. So we would have conversations about about the God behind the things he was teaching us in our class. And so um, anyway, my, my love for this stuff goes way back. And I think I think all of us, when we look at these James Webb Space Telescope images, should should fall in love with how big not only the universe is, but how how big the God is that's behind it, and how how crazy it is that the God that 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 hung these stars and galaxies uh, also knows our names. Yeah, he knows. He put them each one where they are. He knows them by name, and he knows us by name. Like he conceived of us before he set those stars in place. That I know. So um, I like this that you that you included in your piece at the Gospel Coalition, and again. You guys, you can find this at thegospelcoalition.org, um, this piece um, by Chris Martin entitled God is Beyond and Behind the Enormous Universe. But it's also in my show notes today 
which are going to be posted for you at MyFaithRadio.com when the podcast goes up uh, just after the show's over. So here's one of the things that you say in here that I, I just, I think is absolutely worthy of reflection for each and every one of us. Um, two almost simultaneous thoughts. Nothing matters and everything matters. Yeah, when you look at pictures, I mean, if you look at, you know, the big, there are a couple great images that came out of the James Webb initial release a couple weeks ago. You had the, you had the cosmic cliffs of the Carina Nebula. That's the really cool looking one that looks like mountains. Uh, that's really just this giant, you know, this giant, yeah, this giant birther of stars, really. That, that's an amazing image and is beautiful. It's already my desktop background, but the other image, which is maybe a little less photogenic, uh, but is more amazing in, in my view is the is the image of all of the galaxies, right? It's it's called the SMAX 0723 image, um, which is all of these galaxies. I mean, in this image, you have thousands of galaxies and a couple of nearby stars trying to steal the show as well. Um, but you have all of these distant galaxies, some of the furthest galaxies we've ever observed in the universe. And the thing that's important to remember is that all of these galaxies are not only light years away from each other, meaning you would have to travel at the speed of light for years to be able to for billions of years to be able to get from star to star or sorry from galaxy to galaxy but within each of these specks of light within each of these galaxies is not a few hundred stars a few thousand stars but is literally billions of our suns so we have here in this one image which this one image is a grain of sand held up at the night sky like if you're like how big like how is this our night sky no 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 this is if you grabbed a grain of sand and held it up to the night sky that's how much space this one image of thousands of galaxies takes up and in each one of these specks of light it is not a star it is a collection of billions of stars like our sun uh, light years, billions of, of years away if we were traveling at the speed of light. Just, we cannot grasp the enormity of of this. And it's truly amazing to look at this and wonder, man, does that really hard meeting I had this week matter? Or um, does it matter that I had this conflict with my spouse? And yes, it does. But it it's humbling to see our problems or see our lives in the grand scheme of the entirety of the universe and it makes it feel a little bit less like the whole universe revolves around us and our problems. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you look at this and you're like, everything matters. Like, God cares about these things too. He cares about me and my little problems, but he also cares about these distant billions of stars and thousands of galaxies that are in this one image. That's It's amazing to think that I matter to God even amidst all of this grandeur and all of this beauty. Uh, it's, tr- it's just amazing. So, so when I looked at this, I was like, nothing matters, but then everything matters. And, and it's, it's truly humbling to, it's okay to feel small sometimes. And I think images like this make us feel small. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's good to, re- to reflect on this stuff. All right. We're going to read um, Psalm eight uh, as we reflect together on what Chris has just said. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. 
You crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field and birds of the air and fish of the sea, everything that swims in the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's be glorifying God today as we consider the work of his hands. Indeed, nothing matters. We're really little, and yet everything matters, for God has crowned us with his own glory. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio, and we'll be right back with Chris Martin. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. All right. Well, I really want to ask Chris Martin if he were at Comic-Con what he would be wearing. I will instead ask him about an app called Be Real. First of all, are you a Comic-Con guy? I, I, I kind of guess uh, that you might be. Uh, I, I'm not. I mean, it depends not. on what huh. you would like. I, I mean, I've never been to Comic-Con. I, no. I would love to go. I think it'd be super fun. Uh but I, I don't know what I would wear. I, I, mm-hmm. Is it just comic stuff or is like Star Wars stuff acceptable? I, I don't know. Oh, no, I don't totally. know what I would I think, do. No, I think, any, I think anything that um, obscures who you are is acceptable uh, at Comic-Con. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what I would do. I'm not sure. But I'm happy mm-hmm. to talk about Be Real if you want. Yeah, let's do that. What, what is Be Real? You've talked with us. Um, you kind of teed this up before it was uber popular but it is on uh, the ascent as an app and so i thought maybe people should know about it yeah yeah be real uh so it's it's always interesting to be tracking uh, new apps that are blowing up especially social media apps and and particularly obviously that's interesting to me um be real is an app that hopped onto my radar earlier this year i want to say in in late winter early spring and uh it's a platform that feels a lot like instagram or like at least the early versions of Instagram, not the monstrosity that Instagram has become. Uh, and it's just a photo sharing app. But the whole point, like the whole the whole thing, the whole like um, gag or, or the it, its deal is this. Uh, every day for two minutes, uh, it, there's only there's a two minute period every day when you can post um, and you get an alert to your phone that says, it's time to be real with like those little like exclamation point like uh, <laughs> alert symbols. And you in that moment post an image of yourself that is it's an it's like simultaneously taking a picture of your face camera and your back camera on your phone mm. uh, to show what you're doing in that moment. And you cannot see your friends and connections images of what they've taken unless you take and share your own. Uh, so there, the sort so of some, cost of entry, some good social, yeah, some social buy-in. Exactly, yeah. So mm-hmm. the cost of entry is actually participating yourself, and so uh, the app is no, is number one on the Apple App Store, which I mean that's that's a huge deal. You you don't you don't surpass TikTok right now unless you're getting some serious traction, and so it is number one on the App Store has been for this week basically. 
Um, and and there are a number of reasons why it's blowing up right now. There's also some reason to believe it'll kind of fizzle, uh, but it's got some serious investment and money behind it, um, and obviously now some social traction. What's appealing about it is Instagram really is becoming this huge monstrosity of Facebook meta trying to compete with TikTok. And I cannot tell you, Carmen, the number of people that I have seen complaining about Instagram. And I don't just mean like random users like you and I. I mean like huge influencers, Instagram power users, social media professionals who are like Instagram used to be my favorite app. And now I see none of my friends' content. All I see is reposted TikToks from accounts I don't even follow. There's mm-hmm. 20 times more ads. And all this stuff is being played at full volume against my will at all times. And it's true. Like, I'm a very casual Instagram user. But in the past week or so, when I've tried to when I've tried to scroll on it, I see, like, one friend's picture every five. And, and Facebook is – or Meta Instagram or whatever is, is just – assaulting me with like all these videos from people I don't know, things they think I'm interested in, but I'm totally not. Um, and it just seems that Instagram is frankly losing a lot of, uh, a lot of capital, a lot of cachet among its core users, which is me like, like young millennials. It's definitely not Gen Z where TikTok is kind of King right now. Um, but it's, it's, Instagram is losing a ton of favor with its core demographic right now. And be real while it's kind of cheesy in its presentation, um, is kind of recapturing what a lot of people thought inst- what made Instagram so special the last decade that it's really been a huge deal. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Be Real. Um, I think we should all be a little bit aware of it. I have it downloaded, but I've never really done anything with it. And so I'm interested to see if it if it sticks or if it's one of these things that kind of flickers and flames for a while but goes out quickly. Okay, I'm I'm totally hoping that at some point you're going to give me permission to – um, just switch to that um, and just be on Be Real and not be on any other social media because two minutes a day, I feel like, is about how much I want to be on social media. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's I, I totally uh, I totally get that. And, I don't and nobody you. and nobody's going to expect me to have, you know, any production quality whatsoever. Right. Is it's going to be right. real. That's the whole thing. Fine. I kind of yeah, like it. Thing. I kind of like it's mm-hmm. very attractive. Um, OK, so Google is. um Apparently, got a hiring freeze for two weeks. That seems like uh, a, a, a curious inf- uh, inflationary development. Um, I'm just seeing that in my Chiron right now. Um, uh, and there's stuff going on out there, but it's summer. It's summer. And so really, I just want to know some summary stuff. Like, do you do baseball? Do you do VBS? You know, did you grow up and you, you have like some fantastic summer memory as a kid? Uh, give me some summary stuff, Chris Martin. Oh man! Well, I mean, yeah, I grew up. I grew up playing baseball a ton as a kid. Uh, played little league all through growing up. Baseball is really the biggest sport we cared about in my in my home as a as a family growing up. Huge Cubs fan, Chicago Cubs fan. Grew up as a huge Cubs fan, and um, obviously rejoiced in twenty sixteen when they finally won the World Series. Um, today, still watch a lot of baseball. Still, I'm a Cubs fan, and uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I I like summer. Um, I, you know, I mean, Carmen, you and I are here in Middle Tennessee. And it's, uh, you know, it's been 90 plus degrees for about <laughs> a month so straight. Hot. I know and, it's and so and hot like, I, and it's driving me insane. You know, it's, it's really, uh, so here's what I, I so here's what I wonder. Summer I in a... the South is markedly more difficult than growing up with summer in the Midwest. So I had this conversation yesterday with this, uh, this friend who lives in, um, Houston, Texas, and he's a grandpa and he was like celebrating that, you know, he now has so many grandkids that he gets assigned to babysit 
on instead of have to go to baseball games like right there's because they got you know this like <laughs> wide range because he's like because it's so hot it's like, so much hotter now than when my yeah. kids played baseball and i'm like i think it's probably just exactly as hot as it was when i played softball in tampa um you know i think it's probably just exactly as hot but somehow when you're a kid you don't think about how hot it is like what's up with that yeah sure yeah, I, you know, because you're doing stuff. I think as a yeah. parent, when you're just sitting there watching or doing whatever, it's it's a little bit harder. But when as a kid, yeah, you're like, I don't care. Um, exactly. But yeah, you know, I we had all kinds of fun growing up playing baseball as as a kid, and and uh, that's that's most of what our, our summers were. We did a lot of vacations, spring break, a little bit in the summer, but summer was was all baseball all the time. So that was that was our life. And now I'm I'm grateful to live right by a park that has eight baseball fields and we go walk there almost every day. Uh, if the weather cooperates and it's fun to see a lot of little kids making the same kind of memories I made as a kid. It's so fun. It's so fun. Chris, as always, thank you so much for joining us. You guys can, uh, can find Chris at terms of social. You can also find him on Twitter, Chris Martin, 17. You're listening to mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is faith radio. I feel like there's time here to do the Friday Farm Report. Friday, Friday, Friday. Okay, so um, today is the day that it happened. This morning. Today is the day that it happened. I I thought uh, it's possible that I heard an attempt last week, but um, definitely, definitely today it happened. This morning, as I was walking from the house to the studio, it happened. One of our, you know, formerly baby chicks, right? Because they grow up and now they're big. They're pretty good size. They're not full grown, but they're pretty good size. It happened. A rooster crowed. We have a rooster. We have a rooster. And then another one crowed, which means we have two, which is one more rooster than anybody wants. So uh, there will be some cockadoodle dueling at our house as they mature. And we will then discover which one of them is nice. And that will be the rooster uh, who gets to stay here on the farm. And the other rooster will either go um, uh, and Mr. Howell will adopt him to be the rooster for the chickens at our high school who, you know, they need a rooster Um, because everybody needs a rooster because it's it's a threatening world out there and chicken is on everybody's menu. So uh, you need a rooster to protect your hens. Um, and, uh, if that doesn't work out, our neighbor Pete also needs a rooster because, um, Bob the cat might have gotten his. So there you go. The Friday farm report, Friday, Friday, Friday is, uh, today is the day that it happened. A rooster crowed and then another. Uh, and so I will be bringing you news of the cockadoodle dueling that will surely happen in the days and weeks, uh, and even months to come. There you go. That's what's going on. What's happening where you are? Uh, how are you cultivating the soil of the conversations of the day? How are you sowing seeds of peace? Where in the word are you today? I got lots of questions in another hour. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.